Is there a doctor on the plane? That's <laughs> yeah, the, I just. <laughs> that's, I don't that's, know. That's fantastic. Okay, I'm so like I'm going to kick guy, us off. I'm the guy and, who's a dentist in Air Force One. Am I thinking, <laughs> Dad, you're a dentist. Like, I've had medical yeah. training. Mage Talk is brought to you by Mojo Stratus. Stratus is true cloud auto scaling technology for Magento. Built by industry leaders and cloud architects, Stratus is a revolution in cloud hosting. Magento 2? No problem. Holidays? Flash sales? No problem. 100% uptime or your money back. Give Stratus a try today, risk-free, and tell them Mage Talk sent you. Check them out today at magemojo.com. That's M-A-G-E-M-O-J-O.com. Mage Talk is brought to you by Vertex, the leader of tax technology solutions and services for corporations worldwide. They're a Magento premier partner trusted by over half of the Fortune 500. Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes. Visit them online today at vertexsmb.com. Mage Talk is brought to you by Swift Otter, the Magento certification test prep company. Swift Otter is excited to announce a new study guide and practice test to help you achieve the highest certification Magento offers, the Magento Professional Developer Plus certification. Now with a money back guarantee. So what have you got to lose? Check it out today at swiftotter.com slash magetalk. This podcast is brought to you by Commerce Hero. Better way to find a Magento developer for your next project or full-time hire. Hello and welcome to Mage Talk, the Magento Community Podcast. I'm Philip, and we know Kalen today. He's either eating banana or contemplating the flatness of the earth. That's a whole thing we'll get into eventually. I think Kalen's a flat earther. It's not true, but it's a rumor I'm starting, and you heard it here first. Uh, today we have a very special guest, someone who took way too long to schedule on the show, and uh, someone who's going to write all of the content wrongs uh, and all of the missives that we've uh, pinned uh, 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 well, through this audio podcast forum, uh, uh, and all the things we said incorrectly about PWA upwards and the like, uh, Mr. James Zetlin, senior front end architect at Adobe, and I'm required to play the D- DJ air horn for you, which goes like, there you go. That's, uh, what, what, <laughs> say what, what? hi, <laughs> say hi, James. All I do is do that again. All I do is, yeah. okay. Um, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Hi. Um, I just, I needed to check real fast that Kalen was still securely locked in the, okay. In the trunk here. All right. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. We put him away. Uh, so he can't it. interrupt. He's, he's like progressive. What commerce hero, hire a hero. Can Commercehero.io. Can you make sure to just, I, I have a cough button for when there's pounding from the trunk. Yeah. All yeah. Right, we'll, 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 we'll dub it in. Chris, Chris has uh, a tight lid on, on, on those effects. Okay. James, so for people don't, who don't know you, you've been around a little while, uh, pre-Adobe acquisition, um, and you've been pretty vocal in the community. Give a little intro uh, about you and your background and uh, some of the, the stuff that brought you into the Magento world. Because I know you, you haven't been, you've been with Magento a couple of years now? How long? I guess it does count as a while now because of how actively we've been changing. There's so much change mm. these days. There's a lot. Um, I have been here about two and change years, I guess two and a half now, because I joined December of 2016. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, I mean, of course the funny thing is that when I had, when I started there, I was one of the relatively few core engineers that were in the Austin office. And since before the acquisition and continuing after 
we have been in the process of migrating uh, the senior engineers, a fair portion of the folks who are in the Kiev office to the Austin office, immigrating and, and actually, you know, coming over, uh, bringing families and stuff. And so my seniority has actually been decreasing <laughs> in the office <laughs> as I have continued onward. So I don't feel like I'm, a, I'm I don't, I don't feel like I've been there a while, but, but it's true that I have, when I joined, we had just, I think, polished up, uh, Magento 2.2 and we were still kind of in talks about how we were going to align strategy on, Hmm. uh, what, what then was called MCOM. So yeah, I guess a lot of things have gone on. MCOM, uh, formerly Retail Order Management, then Magento Commerce Order Management, mm-hmm. and then Magento Order Management. Now, I don't know. No, we just call it you MOM mean, internally. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of opportunities. I, you think it I'm sounds kidding, very Freudian, very Freudian and <laughs> uh, Oedipal in that, in that regard. Um, but, but I digress. So, so what are you focused on these days? I, I, think, I think you're sort of synonymous with uh, Eric Irway and PWA and that whole conversation on, on social. But is, is that truly what you focus on day to day? I would give a limb to be synonymous with Eric Irway. I can only say that he has showed <laughs> You're up mentioned in, in conversation with him. I uh, will. <laughs> we have peered a lot together. I think he effectively has a professionalizing measure for me and me as a body man for him when people swoop in to demand technical answers. But uh, that is literally like that is that was like our business plan for future commerce podcast, by the way, was yeah. <laughs> to stand next to a lot of really smart people. Yeah, um, yeah. A technical yeah. body man. I like that because it makes me feel like I I was in some sort of like tech Mossad where I like learned mm. judo, but for CSS. Um, <laughs> judo, but for CSS. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you it's are focused like on PWA. No motion data. at all. And it was vertically centered. Oh, um, God. Yeah. You remember how things used to be really hard to vertically center? That was a thing. Is that um, still a thing? I think, I think uh, <laughs> grid makes that easy, right? Or, or trivia. I have right. to be careful here because I should and could say like it's super easy to vertically center, but I'm worried that you're like armed with five different screenshots of PWA Studio not doing it right. Yeah, <laughs> you caught me. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, it is no, easy. It is easier. Um, yeah. But yeah. you know, at, it, the at least in a code pen, in isolation with nothing else going on, it's it's trivial. Trivial. Somewhat trivial. Well, CSS yeah. is one of those languages that I think gets undue criticism for so long that legitimate criticism of it can get defensively brushed off when there is a lot yeah. of legit criticism of it. Um, and one of those things is not maybe about the language so much as the habits is that we, we tend to just write CSS until it looks good and then stop writing it and just go style sheet completes, you know, and it's, it could yeah. be 300 lines. But um, we are digressing, as you mentioned before. Um, oh no, we, 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 this is this is literally what we do on this show. I, I, just as an <laughs> aside about CSS in Austin, um, there was somebody who ten years ago uh, was rocking my world. Uh, who is in the Austin local scene? Uh, uh, her name is Nicole Sullivan. Who, uh, <laughs> who, who? I don't know if you run into circles with, uh, but she's you know went on to do like CSS Lint and had a lot of conversations around how to do CSS like OO CSS for at one point in time, and now is you know working uh, I think at Google on the Chrome team. Um, so but, Nicole invented OO CSS, yeah, 
Yeah. And I recently got the chance to, I think she'd be mad if I said genuflect, but to like jitter a little bit while asking her a question because uh, at Google I.O. or uh, Googlio for the initiated. So if you speak <laughs> Who has gone? Let's then, not. Let's not. Let's not and say we did. Little yes. secret password. If you call it Googleio, they know you're kind of in. Um, um, at Googleio, uh, this, code, this right? year um, she did a talk with uh, another great presenter, a woman whose whose name sadly I don't remember. Um, and they both represented the team that she now leads, which is the framework relations team, the uh, JavaScript framework relations team. Uh, for the Google Chrome performance team overall, um, which hmm. is super important. Their job is to make sure that the uh, steady fire hose of performance best practices, recommendations, subtweets, angry articles, etc., <laughs> that that stream of often valuable, often provocative information gets like directed to the maintainers of the big popular JavaScript frameworks in like a diplomatic way. She's the one who sits down with the React team or with the Angular team or with the Vue team and says like, how can Google's uh, recommendations and the technologies and concepts that they're trying to push into the mainstream, as well as like through the web standards bodies, which, hey, they do try to do, you know, they're not, they're not the MS of the 90s, they're trying to do it that way. Um, She's like, how can we enable the frameworks to to do this instead of just having, you know, my, my colleagues subtweet them. Um, so she's, <laughs> she's got this really important role. She's absolutely crucial. And I couldn't think of anybody better suited to it. She might be overqualified for it, but I, I got to talk to her a little bit after her presentation where they had some metrics for, um, how they determine whether a bundled application using Webpack, which we use, uh, is, you know, parsimoniously using its dependencies, et cetera. So, so it's just funny you mentioned her. She has always been a hero of mine. Yeah, mine too. I see, I come up cause I'm an old timer. I come up watching, you know, video podcasts that like I used to have to download through iTunes onto like my actual video iPod mm-hmm. I'm talking like 2005, circa 2005, 2006. And uh, I would watch things like uh yay query, uh, which is oh, like yeah. the, yeah, I remember Paul Irish and uh, yeah, and, I, and those folks. I right? chatted with so uh, Paul. Uh, Paul was there too. I actually talked to him and Imagine. Um, I'm starting to want to. Refer Paul to Irish by, was at Imagine. Paul Irish was at Imagine, dude. Wait, hold on a second. The Paul, Paul Irish. Irish. Shut your mouth. Okay, I didn't know that. So I should start doing first names and last names because I'm starting to sound like I'm Hollywood name dropping. Like, oh, right. yeah, me and Angie. Uh, <laughs> Paul and I, you know. Well, and as also, we do. Because, also because the, the Paul namespace at Google is a little over full. Uh, there's the Lewis oh, yeah. well, and Google, the Irish yeah, and the Kinlan, and the, there's a lot of them. But he was there. He um, was part of a team dispatched uh, run by Elizabeth Sweeney, who is the uh, Lighthouse and other performance metric tools program manager at Google. Hmm. Uh, and he and Elizabeth were there to do. Um, like up to the minute breakdowns of lighthouses metrics, including like the ones that are self-avowedly experimental. And, you know, now I think is a good chance if you've got listeners who don't know um, or who are trying to make themselves care what lighthouse is, you want to talk about that? Oh yeah. Oh, we need to talk about that we because do. that comes I, up pretty much every day in my real world job. And, uh, I think it's near and dear to everyone's heart because it's been sort of painful, uh, to date. 
And there's a lot of promise that, you know, PWA writes some, some wrongs. And I keep hearing about stuff happening in 2.3 channel and 2.3.2 that's supposed to be mm. fixing some lighthouse scoring issues. So maybe you could go into a bit of that. Yeah. I, um, I could, I hold on. I'm, I need to kick this box that has Kalen in it for a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> he tried to, he tried to convince my dogs the earth was flat. Um, the, <laughs> Uh, the overall context we're talking about here is, uh, that Magento as an open source company has had to be like really transparent, which I've always loved and enjoyed. Like I come from something of an open source background, not always for my day job, but you know, ideologically and personally. And so joining a company that had, you know, a profit motive and whatever, but, but that released, uh, the I would say the lion's share of its code base is open source. It's yeah. always been really important to me. And one yeah. one knock on effect of that is that we 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 can't really hide our dirty laundry. Um, Magento two point uh, two and two point three, as iterative changes have improved tremendously on some of the early like narrative stuff that came out about two point But nevertheless, like the narrative remains, it makes sense that it would. Um, and Magento 2, like, as far as everyone tells me, I think that the response to its overall back-end re-architecture with the proper consistent DI approach, the proper, you know, division of layers and ORM and stuff have largely been super well-received. You know, it's really well-organized. It may have more uh, sort of demands on hardware, but so does everything. And people generally like that. And I think the front-end approach... I mean, my first, my first talk in the Magentoverse was about UI components and how, hey, hmm. I see it, I see it, I see where we're going with it, but let's, you know, how about we do one more take? Uh, that was hmm. kind of my, that was kind of my mission. I don't know if you saw that talk. Was that at uh, Mage Titans? I believe. Um, my first was actually Imagine 2017. Okay, yeah, no, I missed with, that one. Uh, Serena Williams, right? Or yeah, it was. Yeah, we try to forget that one, but yeah, carry on. She was great. Um, then sure. there was she That's why her was, voice goes up like this when we say it. Was great. <laughs> um, we have this whole like Compton or Florida joke that we riff on here on on the podcast, but that's I digress again. Compton um, or Florida? Yeah, it's like yeah, we'll we'll go with some other can, time. Some other I time. I can name. Well, I can name several really important rappers from Compton, and I can name <laughs> two from Florida. Which is probably uh, just my lack of knowledge of hip hop, but one of them is more about Andrea's Andrea Ward's interview skills uh, with oh, regard to yeah, busking while people are trying to get out the tennis tennis balls. But okay, so so but you go back into so you were you were on to something about UI components and 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 you know I can't even give myself credit for one of those rappers because he's literally named Florida. <laughs> The other one is vanilla. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. You were asking about UI components. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that largely the response of the community to Magento 2's front-end concepts was, uh, this might be too much for us. You know, Magento is built on, and especially Magento 2, is built on this interoperation of like extensibility plug in right. places and like you open all these, you know, control panels on your spaceship, you know, Chewie's always in there popping his head up. Like I'm wiring yep. this, to that. So you're supposed to, if you're going to fly it and if it's going to hit hyperspace, you're, you're going to need to have this end to end knowledge. So in short, 
full stack development is kind of what you need to do. So the front end stuff suddenly got very complicated in a way that full stack developers often don't feel like they have the bandwidth to sustain. Like I'm down here in the bottom of this stack. I can't keep running up the stack to learn a bunch of new stuff. So it wasn't so much a, you know, you did this wrong as, wow, this is a little much. Some of the concepts seem unfinished. Uh, And I show up and like, yeah, indeed, some of the concepts are, but you can see the vision, right? I mean, if that's a pointed question, I, 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 I'm on record saying that I think that, yeah, the, the implementation outscaled the maturity level of a typical, you know, open source developer who's working at a, a, you know, a, a, you know, a merchant who, you know, doesn't have the the commerce budget, right? Which I think right. is a bulk of our contributors. Um, so right. there, you know, the, you you do the like double clinch fist stare at the sky. There must be a better way. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, are there better ways? Are we are we on the path to better ways? Given that you're the man who's given the talk about how to, you know, what the future of UI components might be looking like? Well, uh, yeah, of course, we're on the way to better ways. Um, I think you're, you've uh, distilled the prevailing opinion quite well mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, is this going to scale both up and both down is the big question. So I urged people to separate the structural idea of an integrated, like a vertically integrated piece of code that goes all the way from the front end JS, HTML, CSS, like all the way down to the business entity and to take that and, and, and separate it from the implementation in your head. But that is a huge waste of time, I think, for somebody whose deadline is tomorrow and like needs to get the store locator looking right. So I'm well aware that sometimes I'm, you know, the architecture astronaut in space and sitting in my tin can. And it's not very compelling to say like, look, man, just don't worry about knockout or XML, just see the vision. So I, I mean, I get that that's not super helpful in the moment. <laughs> the implementation is not important. Just yeah, look at yeah. the, you know, the marketing bullets, right? Stop paying attention to what's happening. I'm very, I'm very Plato. I would say I'm very Plato. <laughs> Some of these people out here are very Aristotle. There's nothing wrong. Um, mm. There's a, uh, there's a general principle that what we used to call separation of concerns horizontally, like, Hey, here's yeah, how this we get thing decoupled. doesn't know about this other thing, right? Yeah, well, here's how we get decoupled in the web stack. Uh, we're going to make like, oh, the database is, you talk to that only through code that is like models. All right, and then maybe we make that into this abstract concept of records. And then we have an ORM, a, a complete object relational manager. So the database has turned into these friendly objects that you call methods on, like product get price. And then, then you have that fully abstracted into like, oh, a view model, a thing that's like, here's the product detail page. But that thing is another layer of abstraction that lets you, you know, look through the options in a nice way. And then completely separate from that, we have this template whose only job is to completely logic-free, just like render into HTML. And then there's the style sheet, which theoretically isn't really necessary. It's supposed to be separate because the HTML should be a parsable document. And then just sprinkled on top, like 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 candy sprinkles is, oh, you want some fancy pop-ups and behavior, here's some JavaScript. 
That's been <laughs> the semantic web right. concept. And it had a lot of validity, right? A lot of concept validity. This is a... Right, because that's the historical legacy of an, of an app that was built in 2007 or 8, right? Like that's how, it, that's how it's always been. The right. historical legacy of the web. I mean, I, I think... Oh, I'm, sure, yeah. I blew this analogy in a, I blew this anecdote in a talk, but you know, the image tag was a source of like a long email thread about whether it should be added uh, to to the HTML spec by Tim Berners-Lee and a few other folks. Yeah, T- yeah. yeah. They TBL finally had lost this the fight thing, because right. the, yeah, because the, the CERN uh, girl singing group wanted to have their picture on the webpage that they made. Um, that is a hundred percent true. Wow. Um, so the web was designed as a way to um, surf around using hyperlinks through academic documentation. Yep. And you can see that legacy everywhere. And we have built our, you know, entire industry on top of it. So, yeah, you know, you can liken it to like, we made a pop-up book of a platform and then whoopsie daisy, we're, we're living in that pop-up book. Yeah. Yeah. That it's fairly sturdy. So, <laughs> and if know, we can turn the pages of the pop-up book fast enough, maybe we can have movies, right? We just have like, to trick the eye at 30 frames per second. That's all that's you got to do. But that's how it always right. works. People are always right. completely blown away by the fact that a lot of our solutions are not really that clever under the surface. They're just scale. They're just fast. You know, when sure. people think of computers as magic and then you're like, dude, it takes like 18 little resistors in order to tell it what one plus one is. Like it, 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 you go to an electrical engineering school and you learn this from the bottom up. You learn the logic gates and then the transistors and then why we use binary is because of the electrical. But like, I think people forget we have dealt with suboptimal solutions forever and then just scaled them. You know, we chose right. computing architecture in the 60s. Like, uh, we're going to just stream the data and the instructions into one stream. John von Neumann designed this. It's, it's cheap and scalable. And it's led to every security problem we have. But you know what? The other architecture was really expensive. Uh, the x86 instruction set was like the dumbest one that yep. was the ugliest. People hated it, but it's, it won. It's the like, one that's one, right? Okay. And but risk. Well, well, they did risk on top of it. So <laughs> now that people are complaining, like, but JavaScript isn't a nice language. Why are we doing everything in it? It's like I don't know, man. Why? <laughs> why right. anything? Why are you driving right. a car? Right. Why is Magento like why? In, okay, for the European listeners, right. why is your bike so heavy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Magento is in PHP, right? And um, and if it were developed in 2015, it would have been in Node. And we have EAV, you know, as a historical like vestigial thing that solved a problem with a pure lamp stack, which you know, four years later probably would have been, you know, in like Cassandra or I don't know, whatever was the document storage, you know, uh, schemaless database of the day, yeah. flavor of the day. Like it, things are sort of, you know still hallmarks of their era and we've we've layered on complexity to solve the problems that we had of you know well database joins are really expensive so you know eav solves that problem let's have you know flat table materialization and let's call that indexing and like the yes 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 all of the things that's why we have javas right but that's but that's the world we live in and that's the world that you know we build things like pwa on top of yeah and i'm just saying 
people are cons- people I think worry, have we gone astray? And I just don't think so. I think that straying around and like dealing with uh, what feels like a suboptimal solution at first is what working in the real world is. And every once in a while, you realize that your abstraction is not scaling. Like, okay, turns out we can't like serve our entire bank with a basement full of vaxes or two IBM mainframes. And then you switch to microcomputers, you do like a big sea change. But I don't, I've rarely seen, you know, just in terms of technology, something goes super far astray. And Magento 2 is completely on the right track with the front end concept of vertical stack integration. PWA Studio has it. So, Again, looping in a big loop back around, you asked, like, what does the future of UI components look like now that you promised you were going to think about that a bit? And the future of UI components looks like a vertical integration that instead of its, um, its connectors being PHP interfaces and XML dialects. <laughs> well, there's, don't laugh because those No, I know. I got, I got it. I, no, no, no. I, I, I was lamenting what my where you were going and how I was going to respond to it before you actually got there. Sorry. <laughs> Instead of the connectors being PHP interfaces and XML dialects, they are as much as possible more broadly accepted industry standard portable concepts. Everything from Docker containers, Kubernetes directives, Docker Compose configurations at the very bottom to connect things together, all the way up through... Uh, Definitional concepts like GraphQL, which uh, kind of do a bunch of jobs at once. You know, it's like, is it replacing sure. a REST API or a database? Or, well, in my opinion, it's also replacing view models and uh, like the concept of DI in the front end. Gra- GraphQL can serve super well because it has types. Um, and then on top of that, there is like individual deployment of of static apps that talk purely to APIs. And then those static apps need to have some sort of definition. Maybe they're Docker containers. Maybe somebody invents a, a, an even more scalable, uh, totally uh, descriptive solution for, for them and, and gives it a fanciful name. Who knows? Uh, and then on top of that, uh, <laughs> and, then, and on top of that, I love that little side eye like reference. We'll get back to that one. Somebody very attractive, yeah, and 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 then on top of that, there's there is this interaction between React components, between the hook functions that React has that do most of the lifecycle integration now, between very well understood types of functions with really well known signatures like reducer functions. All of these things, I mean, that last one is in JavaScript, and that is one particular programming language, but it's kind of one we all have to speak. The rest yeah. of it is more standard you know xml is well when you say more standard it's 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 that you've developed standards you know that are language agnostic is that right effectively yes right and i think there is a strong argument that magento's division between what php class implementations are and the xml is meant to be language agnostic as well xml is language agnostic but in practice, in case you ever want to, you swap out, you know, your Magento stack. You've got the XML there that's you know agnostic to whatever. Just sorry, carry on. I know that it sounds. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like I'm I'm going to poo poo that. I'm, I'm kind of not. I mean, when you think about it, like 
you could write something that parses the Magento XML and that if it happens to know the semantic meaning of all of the class names the XML mentions, then it, you could do this really powerful migration between platforms. Mm. The reason it's not done is that you do have to know the interfaces of each of those darn class names because your introspection only goes to a point. Yeah, you can look at the XML, but ultimately you don't know what the methods are on this class that the XML is talking about. Right. And if something you've got something like GraphQL, then you have that recursive ability to do to introspect. Like, okay, it's called a concrete product. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that it has a name. It means it has a price. It means that it has uh, what's a price? Okay, well, that thing is a thing that has its own. Price. So yeah. yeah, and then anyone can ask that. Right. So so cut, sort of sorry, I cut you off there. So um but while I while I'm talking, I might as well say it, it's interesting because this this sort of little branch that we're on uh, started out as well, how do we fix UI components, and it sounds mm-hmm. like we fixed UI components by saying, well, you know, we fixed it by completely doing away with you know doing away with it altogether and rewriting a front end um, in a more modern way, which is I think what you said, but in a nice way. Right. And, uh, and and maybe it's the thing we all need, right? Maybe you're the hero we need. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> right. Um, the hero I need is a New York Italian, I would say, <laughs> with thunderstars. And I don't think that you have to be nice or not nice to say that implementations need to get thrown out. Oh, no. Yeah, I, got, I, I fully agree. One is an implementation right. that got thrown out. And right. in doing it, we well, didn't say... 11 months more. We've got more. We've got 11 more months. Right. Yeah, I mean, people dumpster dive all the time. No, that's not true. The Magento one is what... There's this uh, great term of art that I, that I stole, well, that I use, um, invented by Ryan Florence, who is a prominent React personality of... Don't call it legacy code, because mm-hmm. that's a little derogatory call it revenue code because that's what it is buddy it's if you true. have to talk about it it's because it's making you money yeah oh, and yeah. magento one at least you know many of the licenses are revenue code the the quote-unquote legacy uh front end which has been in the absolute most technical sense of the term deprecated but not really yes. it's right. legacy code so you really should call it revenue code and when you mentioned the uh advancements in 2.2 and 2.3 which will improve performance across the board which loops us back in a big loop back to lighthouse i love doing this me too Um, this is my favorite type of of interview by the way you're 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 brilliant carry on oh you're sweet you're sweet. I just, I don't like making outlines. Um, I like making <laughs> spirals. Yeah, me too. I'm, uh, I'm, that's you. We think way too, like we're deep in it now. So this is where mm-hmm. we're going, but this is what I love. So, so oh, back good. to lighthouse. Um, yeah, but, but the, the lighthouse stuff that you asked about is, I mean, so lighthouse is important for us to integrate with. That's one thing, but then there's also performance improvements that I am not the expert in that. I cannot give you a lot of detail in. Hmm. I can give you some detail that are happening in the so-called revenue code. Like Andrew uh, Levine, who uh, began on the PWA team when he started here, but he, he now works on the, uh, the existing front end full time and has found these incredible uh, uh, leaps ahead, just noticing, oh, there's a bunch of code that's unused that people download. Yeah. And, yep. you know, that's just a matter of kind of diligent sorting through. 
And when you have your job position kind of constrained to get this revenue code going, then you can, you know, attack it with the full force of your intellect, which, which he's done. And now he's rewriting static content deploy uh, to be fast and in, in, in node. So watch yeah. that space. And, you know, when I came aboard, I think the bailout was more broad. It was like, figure out what we need to do. And when I invented PWA Studio as a name or as a concept, it was to encompass the idea of building an alternate stack that really is meant to function as an alternative and an ongoing concern, like maintained parallel to the existing stuff for as long as it was going to remain necessary to move over the abstractions that make Magento so valuable. Uh, and that I'm not hiding that I expect things to work more like this code than the other code in the sure. future. Right. But it's also going to change dramatically. When we started this project, I think we had this notion that our extensibility was going to come in the form of doing some kind of analysis of the JSX, which is the stuff inside the React JavaScript files, which looks like it's markup yeah. code. It looks like it's XML. And I had these wild-eyed notions that, oh, we'll just merge that. We'll have special tags in that. We're not doing that because of a number of reasons. <laughs> because reasons, right? <laughs> because reasons. Uh, but, you know, it's fractal, I guess, how many decisions you have to make. But PWA Studio was posited as a project to begin the, the creation of this stack, not as like, well, I've got all my ideas ready. Everyone come over here. Hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how it's moved. And in some ways, it's moved slower than I want it to. But in a lot of ways, we have so much more of a basis for extension and for just cool concept acquisition than we have. Where, where there's confusion, I would say, because I've been the loudest talker on a technical uh, level, uh, the fault is mine. It's not necessarily with the code that so many of our great contributors and community members have written and that that our core team, which increasingly is just full of awesome folks, uh, has done and maintained. It's like, I'm just not maybe clarifying where I think the exciting things are, where, where I think people ought to start. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, start there. Like what, what yeah, are the yeah. exciting things? So the exciting thing to start with is that PWA stuff in and of itself is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't incorporated every single best practice there is, but if you mess around, use any PWA starter kit and start to understand what those things give you, what kind of caching mechanism you're dealing with, what kind of offline capabilities you can have, what it's like to do true mobile first development where you've got your tools open and it's always in that mobile fakey phone screen mode a hundred percent of the time. Then you come to PWA studio and maybe you download it or you run it and you kind of see what works and what doesn't work for you. If you come to it already with the PWA perspective, I think, you know, you will be one of the many people in our, in our issues uh, who have said, Hey, this works, this doesn't. I'm no expert, but yeah, uh, I think they are experts. Mm. If you are, if, if you are engaging yourself with PWA ideas, even as it's been a matter of buzz for the last many years, I think a lot of people just think, I'll just do this service worker plugin and now it's PWA, but, but it's still new technology. The people adopting it are still, I would say on the front of the curve. And so the developers who are really diving into this are to be admired. So 
what we're doing is providing a platform for that creativity to kind of reach order in some point and to reach uh, decisions, even if some of those decisions are arbitrary. And here's an example. We put guidelines on our documentation site a couple of weeks ago. Actually, now it's a couple of months ago. Um, saying, uh, if you have a thing called a React component that extends the React component class, put it in the components folder and then in a subfolder and then make sure there's an index file and then next to it, a component file. And we have a lint rule to enforce this. And when you do it this way, then there is an expectation you can have about where to find those files. None of that stuff has anything to do with PWA. That stuff is, has, is to do with PWA Studio, with establishing a pattern that other people will recognize so that as they build their own extension concepts, then they have code that doesn't surprise them and that works together. Um, and as those concepts from like defining the directory structure all the way up to like swapping out components at runtime, as those become more formalized, you know, we just expect it to grow like a beautiful primordial soup. <laughs> beautiful soup, just a delicious, highly acidic, 6,000 degree primordial soup. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but the point of PWA Studio is to, again, provide this platform and then provide a, uh, a sample app plus a developer experience that starts to give you those tastes of it. Uh, and hmm. when you, when you like ask, well, how do I do an extension? How do I bundle PWA UI with an extension? Like you are basically doing the same work that we do. We are working on answers to those questions and, and trying to communicate the answers that already exist effectively. One example is react components are already components. If you extend Venia today, you can download it, open it. There's an index.js file. It imports an app. That app is like the entirety of Venia, but it wires it up to a bunch of uh, like input-output. It, it connects it to a DOM element. It wires it into the store for Redux. You could copy-paste Venia, literally. Or you could just name Venia as a dependency, and then you could make your own index file and import the Venia app and then wire Venia up totally differently. You could put it in an Electron app for all I care. The point is... Uh, we definitely do notion. that. That sounds like a great idea. We should <laughs> yeah. totally do that. Yeah, and that probably there's probably some stuff in Venia that wouldn't like that. But, but the point is just that we have this notion of extensibility already. It's just, it's a little bit new. So half of our burden is, is education. And, right. and then not to put it like, oh, people just don't get it yet because the other half of our burden is recognizing where we have gaps. Like, well, people would like to be able to inject a small change into a small thing. And so we're, we're still hard at work on a concept uh, that is that, that adheres to our principle of like, don't invent a thing if you don't need to invent a thing. Use the existing stuff. Um, try to make it scalable and composable so extensions don't step on each other so that at some point you can write an extension and you know that you can put a little instruction in your manifest file for your extension that you're putting on marketplace. Like this has PWA UI. Here's where it lives on NPM. And then the extension install mechanism knows that it, if it's going to run a full build and a full deploy, then you've got the PWA integrated, then it should run the build on the PWA too. 
And that install should import the extensions UI. And that extensions UI should say, I can handle this GraphQL type. I can handle it when it's inside this GraphQL type. I can handle it with a goat. I can handle it in a boat. And then it will <laughs> inject itself into the PWA that's built. Um, but so, that's a that's a virtue of the ecosystem that it's being that 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 pe- that like the toolkit that we're using, right? The that sort of JS. Well, it's not JSX really. It's it's the the React ecosystem and the the niceties there of sorry, like being able to you know have run these runtime dependencies that are sort of injected in a way that you know require JS. You know was you know. Re- was was attempting to do um, in sort of a much. It's nice actually. Th- sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please. No, I, I need a well actually every now and then. Go ahead. I can't believe you just well actually well actually me. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's funny because Require JS um, is a runtime dependency manager. It does the sort of right. the analysis of what you want right when you ask. Um, and it has a builder, this RJS builder that mm-hmm. we don't use in standard Magento 2 production because we don't have a way of running uh, a process, uh, a node process or a, a big Java Rhino process that it would require JS wanted to, to do its smart bundle. So we just do a real efficient uh, quick bundle of just jamming all the, the files together. And the require format has this nice, uh, elegant advantage where if you do that, then they all just define themselves and then connect to each other. Sure. Um, right. And that's but, also, it was like a shim for a browser, you know, uh, or, or a, uh, a, a documented JavaScript module system. That was a feature, right? right? Like it's first class feature nowadays, but it you know didn't used to be. Let's face it. Magento can be a beast to run in the cloud. And that's why Stratus by MageMojo is hosting Evolved. Say goodbye to dedicated DevOps teams and complex cloud architecture. With Stratus, you get a rock-solid architecture that's built on Amazon AWS and true cloud auto scale. Never worry about capacity planning ever again with the full power of AWS that's behind your site. Backed by Magento Cloud Architecture Geniuses at MageMojo on technologies like ECS, Kubernetes, Aurora, and also a 15-minute SLA that's the fastest in the entire industry, you can be sure that your site is in good hands with Stratus. Give it a try today, and we know you won't be disappointed. Head over to magemojo.com slash magetalk and get started. That's M-A-G-E-M-O-J-O dot com slash magetalk. Thanks again to MageMojo for the continued support of MageTalk. MageTalk is brought to you by Vertex. Vertex is a Magento premier partner, providing cloud and on-premise solutions that can be tailored to specific industries for every major line of tax, including sales and use, income, value added, and payroll. Vertex Cloud is the SaaS solution that automates sales and use tax, including calculation and returns. With multiple service levels and flexible pricing models, Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes, from recognizable brands like Honda, Pepsi, and Verizon to small businesses the world over. Find out more today at vertexsmb.com and be sure to mention Mage Talk to get 15 months for the price of 12. Once again, that's vertexsmb.com.
Are you ready to get serious about moving your career forward? Magento Certification can help you do that. And Swift Otter has study guides and practice tests that have helped hundreds of people all over the world become Magento certified. Swift Otter's released their latest study guide, this time for the Professional Developer Plus certification. Their study guide comes in at over 200 pages and has 24 modules that provide working examples of Magento customizations. So whether you're brand new to Magento or you're just wanting to bone up on your skills before taking the test, this guide is going to help you. In addition, Swift Otter has a 100% money-back guarantee. You pass or they'll give you a refund. I used Swift Otter to study for my Magento Associate Developer exam, and I wish I had had them a long time ago. Thank you, Swift Otter, for helping me, and I know that they're going to help you. You can get the study guide today for 10% off at swiftotter.com slash magetalk. That's swiftotter.com slash magetalk. It is, although most browsers don't actually at runtime support the import of modules in the way that we do it. So what we have now is actually less of a runtime system. It's a build time hmm. system. Yep. Um, what you're saying that we get a lot of what I'm describing for free out of the box with the ecosystem that we're subscribing into is totally the point. Um, the common interface of React components that they can be dropped into each other, that they expect sometimes to have children yep. components, which is inside, you know, their their tags, uh, that they have a common uh, runtime that they all work inside and that they efficiently re-render each other. All that stuff is, yeah, that's cool new API that you can use as a Magento developer. But there is also stuff that Magento does that we need to add on top of that. So in my in my sort of ramble about how we want the extension manifest to be able to say this, and then it builds and does this, and it makes the PWA do this, most of what I'm talking about there is convention and code that we are still inventing that is Magento-specific. And in PWA Studio, we want it to be more like, hey, if you're building an extensible app, this is how you could do it. And uh, also, if you want to connect to Magento, here's a client that's ready to do that. Um, but that's what we would be inventing. React has this notion of components that connect to each other. We have this idea that you should be able to identify within a component what Magento schema objects, like products mm-hmm. or categories, or even maybe more, uh, more in a more granular way, like the media gallery object inside a product. That's its own GraphQL type. And with GraphQL, you can find out what types things have, compare them to each other. So there is some very fertile territory for us to like describe a way and come up with a convention for you or Christoph Ringleff uh, or one of the many extension developers we've talked to, those are just names that came to mind, for them to write a piece of code in React and then at the top say, yeah, I meant to handle the shipping order, shipping manifest, you know, it's a long-ass type um, that's inside the the quote type. If it has a property uh, chosen shipping method and that thing is of type shipping method choice, uh, then my, my component's for that. Uh, we want to invent and then agree on that convention. It's not really like, it doesn't take a lot of genius. It just takes like patience and management to decide how that's going to work and to make the trade-offs that everyone agrees on so that then we have 
a comparable extension model to Magento's. And that's pretty new in the JavaScript space. I think a lot of the folks working with these new tools, et cetera, are working at startups or at tech companies uh, where they don't have to think about that. Or agencies where they're rolling off a project where extensibility and long-term maintenance is just not the concern. Right. We, We control the whole stack. We'll do whatever we want. But in our world where we, we need to service that, and that's part of our, our fundamental identity and our spirit, um, we can come up with these standard extensible ways to relate a piece of data and its type to a React component, which is like a UI component and its type. So, And that's like the UI component spirit to me, and no, that's it what is. we're inventing here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Only, you know, instead of having it sort of, I don't want to say, you know, uh, reinvented or sort of uh, pieced together with, you know, things that manage that two-way data binding, like knockout, uh, you're doing it in a different way that's, you know, I want to say more modern with air quotes, but seems more durable for the the short term anyway, midterm. Yeah. And that's a software architecture argument. I I don't like two-way data binding, but... Well, yeah, that's, I mean, whatever. (laughs) Again, it's like vestigial. Um, There's an interesting conversation here, which I think we could use the rest of our time around, um, which is, is what what do you say to the argument around some of the things like Upward that other third-party ecosystem progressive web app approaches don't need um, because they are very opinionated about your deployment environment scenario. Uh, what do you say to, you know, how would you answer some criticism around things like Upward that exist solely because Magento has to solve them for themselves? It's more complexity for people to have to take on, a critic might say, because Magento itself has complex deployment requirements around you know, Adobe Commerce now, and then Magento Cloud, Commerce Cloud, and Starter, and on-prem, and you have all these sort of internal needs to support broad adoption. Uh, And now that's sort of being enforced on the rest of the ecosystem to have to learn something new, which others, you know, to their, to their, maybe not to their credit, but, you know, as, as an alternative, alternatives don't require that sort of level of architecture. How, How do you, how might you answer those critics? You've done half of my job for me. Okay. I think you're being too nice. Okay. I think I think you're being too nice because in in a lot of the caveats and what you just said, you you explained out why we need something that a platform like Gatsby or Next or View Storefront or anything like that does not need uh, because of our need to support multiple deployment scenarios, some of which we charge money for because we offer a great deal of extra value on top of, to support those. Um, like that's one of the reasons that our needs are kind of singular and a need for something like Upward uh, emerges. But you could have just gone right with, people are confused about this thing. It reminds us of UI components because it doesn't feel like the story is well told yet. What's going on? Get the story told. You could have done that to me. And as a matter of fact, I'm just reading this off a piece of paper that slipped out from the lid of the trunk that I have pulling <laughs> trapped in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It just says, what is upward? And I got him. I got him. I'm just writing uh, not much uh, on this and then putting it. Yeah, NMHMU question mark. Not much. What's right. up with, yeah, what's up with you? 
Um, okay. Upward is the thing I invented because, uh, we needed, I shouldn't say I, I, it's so much help has gone into it. Um, upward is the thing that, 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 um, I thought of and that turned real because of the effort of, of many other folks. Um, because it, uh, it wasn't guaranteed that we were going to be able to run Node.js at runtime in order to deliver a PWA off made with our tools. That's actually pretty unique in the space. The idea that you could be serving off Node, but you might not be. You could be serving in a Docker container where you get anything you want, but you might not be. You could be fully statically deployed. You could be on literally a single PHP doc root in one single hosted environment with limited resources. Right, which is how most of these third parties probably think about it, right? Sometimes. A lot of the third parties are very sophisticated. They, they, They do a lot of cloud deploys, but... But we said early on that we are not going to grab a bunch of off-the-rack open-source technology, clap ourselves on the back for it, and then charge a bunch of money at the very top tier and only let people there have our invention. We're just, we weren't going to put this behind a giant paywall. We were going to make it compatible. So we didn't get to say, well, PWS Studio, I guess we'll just make it only work on this tier of cloud where we can run node containers. We had to say, this needs to work in in multiple ways. Hmm. Um, And, you know, candidly, not everyone internally felt that way. I think we had to kind of reckon with it. Like, if we move towards being a cloud company, does some of that mean that we have to leave some folks who lack the means, the inclination, or the desire to to migrate their stack? That we leave them behind? Kind of sorry, but we're you know we're turning the ship, and I think that happens naturally enough by itself. Like probably don't mindfully leave people behind, um, like a lifeguard, like. So certain people, certain percentage of people drown each year, right? Like, I'm a lifeguard. I see uh, 10 people a day. I think on the 100th day, I just don't save one. Just to keep the statistics right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Weird Carry on. This, I, I'm trying to see where you're going with this. I'm very excited for Weird how you pull this out. Let's... Can we just cut all the? Can we just yeah, cut all that? That's out? fine. I'm going to leave a note yeah. here yeah. to yeah. cut it all out. Sometimes this doesn't You're actually happen, nothing. but we have to cut that one. That's that's for sure. my demand to cut it is making it to air. <laughs> that's <laughs> you were going to humiliate. Me. Uh, um, no, not at all. Uh, so we really don't want to leave people behind. We wanted to right. build something that was deployable, and I think there is a culture full of very talented, skilled, and capable people who are still deriving a lot of revenue. Probably a lot of that is the same folks who are sticking to Magento 1, the platform for now, or whose Magento 2 migrations are, uh, you know, minimally invasive to their existing tech stack. Yeah, I had this, by the way, like, just as an aside, I had this exact conversation with a similar analogy at IRCE. So I'm going to leave it in and I'm going to try to make sense of that in that. Um, at IRCE, someone was, you know, musing about how, uh, oh, a lot of people are going to be on Magento 1 after the end of life date, right? A lot of people. And someone else piped up and said, well, what is a lot? 
Like, what is a lot? 50%, 60%? I said, percentages are, are garbage. They don't mean anything. Like, a lot is relative. I'll give you an example. 15, if 15% of people that step foot on a roller yeah. coaster died, that would be a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. It, it's a low percentage. You can't just come out the other side and be like, well, 85% of the people are alive. Like, <laughs> It matters, right? Like what we're talking about matters. So um, I, I believe that I can quote one of the uh, masterpieces of modern cinema, Star Trek Insurrection, <laughs> when I say, how many people does it take, Admiral, yeah. before it becomes wrong? Um, <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I Obviously, in that case, we were talking about moving immortals from like a radiation waterfall, but I, I Which feel is like there's a lot in common. A totally, totally uh, perfect analogy, if you ask me. I, I do think that the idea of leaving people behind or not having a structured answer for how you're going to accomplish something in an ecosystem that's vast, that people have a lot, like a lot of passion and, 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 yeah. and, and invested a lot of time and money and resources into, like you mm-hmm. need to think about the totality of it. I, I think... Um, on its face, having a branded sort of a, a piece of architecture hints at something bigger. And that's, I think, probably yeah. where people are, you know, might be concerned. People like me might be concerned. Well, yeah. I mean, and you can't hide behind the do-gooder impulse and the, you know, virtue, whatever. Signal. Um, to <laughs> say, the, I, the podcaster that, virtue. That's not, a real, right? yeah. that's not a real thing. You know, that yeah, right? virtue signal. No, I got you. I got you. Like, sociologists never use that term right, ever. ever. Um, but, uh, but I will, I will say that I will virtue trumpet about how I'm, I'm interested in serving the broad community, but nobody wants that at the expense of clarity. And so let's clarify a couple things. Um, upward is, uh, definition file for how a custom written backend server would work. Like if you can't write a custom backend server that does exactly what your app needs because you don't have Node, some of the places it's going to be deployed, it would be great if you could just maintain a Node server with Express and a PHP server with Symfony or Laravel that that did the same thing, that had the same routes right. and all the same stuff. And maybe a Rails one too, and maybe like a Flask one. Uh, okay, let's see, what else do we got? Um, but what if instead... Instead of writing the same code in five languages, you identified the commonalities in all of those things. Like, eh, we always do proxy when it's this type of URL. And when it's this type of URL, we render a template. And when it's got this header, we need to go through this auth routine with a backend API. What if we took all of those things and tried to find the common elements within them and find like a little domain specific language for all of them. Hmm. We've been doing this for years with XML. XML is like the language that everyone decided in the early 2000s was perfect for just like creating domain specific languages that you need on the fly. And then of course that built into a giant nonsense anthill. And then we all stomped it out and said, we'll never do anything like that again. (laughs) But I think we'll we, do things I that look like it, but it, it'll have curly yeah, exactly. braces. <laughs> we'll use right. YAML. Right, exactly. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And we do use, and we're using YAML, right, yes. in, in the initial Correct. draft of Upward. But but it gets as quickly as possible just digested into a, 
an object tree, which the the same the same set of objects we could define an XSD for them as well. Uh, I think that would be a fun community contribution project. Ugh. And because it's XML, you could bike shed about what's an attribute. For yeah, it. I was going to say, fun. yeah, let's let's come up with label names for things that that make no sense. Like that, that's a whole conversation. Um, pretty excited about that. So YAMLs are a shortcut around some of that. Uh, you know, at sure. the expense, I think of of some readability, maintainability. XML is really good for for that. Yeah, but um. But so this isn't a foreign concept. We've been doing this forever. The layout language is a domain-specific language, as is DIXML. Uh, and it just has a small number of instructions. Hmm. Upward has a smallish number of instructions. And I would say, Phil, that the reason that Upward is confusing initially is because the file I wrote was confusing. <laughs> Is it I just wrote a yeah. I literally just wrote a document that wasn't very easy to read. And since then our great docs writer James Kalkaben took the initiative and said, why don't we document every line of this? So if you look at today's release or the PWA Studio 3.0.0 release, you'll see, oh, there's uh there's like comments explaining every line of what is done now. So um, oh, is this is PWA Studio at 3.0 at this point? Oh my goodness! Did you bury the lead? You buried <laughs> yeah, you buried the lead. So we don't want these releases to be giant deals, um, right? It's a major release because there are breaking changes, and well, yeah, when we do a major especially release, since you're the only group at Magento that's you know really focused on Simver. But that's that's a whole other uh, thing. I won't say that for sure. Right. The marketing versions are different than oh, the we, core know, platform we know, we know, we know, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you're trying to get me to say, yeah, we're better. Uh, and that is not <laughs> You don't need true. to say it. We'll just say it for you. No, 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 no. It's no. really not. What we're saying is, um, hey, we're going to major version this. That way you won't, if you have a dependency, accidentally flow in a breaking change. That's all that it means. It doesn't mean cupcakes and champagne. Um, so what 3.0 contains is documented very well on the releases page in GitHub. We don't do a lot of internal or external to Magento promotion of it because we don't right now have like a great grasp on how we do library-only dev tool promotion. Mm. That's historically been pretty rare. Like I would say it's kind of equivalent to, you know, Magento functional test framework. Right, which is also like... How do you... Right. It's its own product yeah, or it's its own little thing that exists outside of the, you know, the core product. But doesn't it but wouldn't is. wouldn't exist without the core product, right? That's Yeah, it is, but it's still it's a separate project, but you know, does it have like a logo that you can picture? Um you know, it's it's unclear I think just as a business still like how they want us to market and release things that are like dev only libraries. Right. Well, and, in that and case too, no I, you, like, yeah, just to, to talk over the guest. Cause that's, that's a, a great move to do. Um, I, I think you're right, but I think some things have broader adoption and have more strategic importance or, or have, have a greater impact on the history or sorry, the future of the software and adoption of the software and DevRel experience. Than others, right? They're not all created equal. Although they might be Absolutely. organizationally, they might be on a, they may be co equal. They are not co equal, right? Absolutely true. But I'm explaining why 
you don't see announcements in the vein of Magento two point releases. Sure. I'm not saying that we should do it that way. You're absolutely right that even though this piece of software might be super dev focused, that it may be in our interest to promote it more heavily. And I am super interested in inventing cool logos for stuff. I've been doing it since I was five. Um, and, and in promoting and in coming up with a real like concept and identity for something. You are absolutely right that there are some things that no matter how technical they are, they need to be more broadly uh, promoted. Hmm. We need to do that. And I have a great track record for it. You know, the, the little like connected uh, 3D uh, S shape that, that was carved into desks in your elementary school? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that was, I love that, that S shape. Everyone makes that. It's that like this. Right. I invented that. That's you invented that. That's fantastic. That was, I invented that. I invented that. So yeah. I know I can do logos. And no one but can do that. But yes. <laughs> well, we, yeah. We, we all invented we that, have, by the way. <laughs> it's like that's a collective evolution. Right. That's, yeah. Don't Edison my Tesla. <laughs> I feel that there's, I feel that there is a lot on the horizon for us um, that way in terms of that kind of promotion. But for now, you know, um, we did just come out with uh, PWA Studio 3.0.0. I would say that the thing that's most exciting to me about it is the existence of the release itself. It was done almost entirely without me sitting there writing commands. It was done by this awesome team, uh, Craig Herdman, uh, Dev Patil, uh, and that's uh, man- release manager and QA specialist, um, it, it, uh, respectively, and then the the devs Jimmy Sanford, Tommy Weeble, uh, and uh, Andy Terranova and Stephen Rug, and, and we've just got a new dev, um, including like we got some help from Ben Bachelet from another team doing the PHP implementation of the Upward server. I know now I'm like the Oscar music is playing. No, no, yeah. There's more people. We'll play you off. There's Cade. We'll play. There's Cade Nolson. There's Andrew, the product manager. There's uh, there's Sami Ashik, the UX. Uh, and then there's so many folks from community who I now am out of time to, to mention, but the, uh, the major thing is that we are now doing a release cadence. Um, but I would say that the big thing for developers is that the one piece of PWA studio, the Peregrine, uh, connector library, which imbues the power of commerce into your view components, um, has come out with its new react hook based API. Uh, it's, doesn't have full coverage, of course, yet, but the vision is there, the documentation is out. So you can see how instead of having to build a, a huge uh, mess of componentry right, and lifecycle right. methods, it's, it's stateless functional components that run higher right. components, functions in the middle of what looked like HTML. What's going on? I'm new at this. <laughs> but instead, but there were functions in the middle of HTML. <laughs> <laughs> That instead, uh, you would write a component as a very clear and obvious function that receives props, does a bunch of stuff till it has a nice tree of, of DOM to emit or of, of UI effectively to emit and then emits it. And on the way, it does things like use a query, uh, use a URL parameter, use the current pagination state. Hmm. Peregrine uses this new paradigm that the React authors spent a long, long time working on and creating. And it is 
kind of magic feeling. It really is awesome. And Peregrine, I think, having spoken to some React maintainers, is one of the early examples of like a really full-featured, like domain-specific, area of business-specific library that takes advantage of, of this new API. So that that is probably the single most exciting development software-wise in 3.0.0. Uh, just team-wise, the release itself, incredible. Uh, and there are a lot of other things. Go check out the release. Yeah, awesome. But um, By the way, whenever just, you list people that have contributed to something, you're going to miss somebody. Right, that's, that's a... I hope you didn't, but if in case you did... Um, you know, uh, I actually wrote down the list, assuming that at some point I would say it. it's written down right here. I have crossed a couple names out. I'm not going to tell you who those are. <laughs> Caitlin's um, name, first and foremost, who's still in the box, contemplating. Yeah, I just crossed. I just wrote his name on a post-it and then crossed it out and yeah. then slipped it into the box. Um, listen, let me ask you something. I uh, how much time? How much more time? Do you we've got to, We got to wrap here. I do want to say one one other thing, uh, which is. Um, the the thing that we heard a lot of feedback about when we talked about upward for the first time which i think you yeah. you've uh definitely addressed here but just want to make sure that we underscore it is actually let me interrupt yeah, you go ahead i want to address please keep that there please ask me sure. this but i want to address that episode and say that that i wanted to say thank you you guys i think did a lot of you took a lot of care to to mention over and over that this wasn't meant to be an attack. This wasn't personal that, you know, you knew that there were, you know, concepts afoot. Um, and I appreciate that, but I mean, I don't think it was necessary. You guys did exactly what we crave as wanters of feedback in a public space and also as creators of tools is that you told us what using the tools was like. And yeah, you had some misconceptions because uh, who else is going to give you the right conceptions but us in our documentation. But that podcast episode was revelatory for, well, it was revelatory for me in several places, and it was what I expected in several others. Like, yeah, I know we haven't clarified that. And uh, it was a pleasant surprise in other cases. So I just wanted to say both to you and Kaylin, thank you for making it. Oh, wow. Uh, well, thanks. I, usually we don't get that sort of positive feedback, and I, I certainly don't think it's warranted for that particular episode, but I'm glad you found it valuable in some way. Uh, well, it was about me. So it was oh, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Spoken like a true NPD. I have a, oh, yeah. um, I have just one other thing about Upward, which is, um, mm-hmm. which I think has been, you know, definitely addressed here, um, and definitely since uh, the last, you know, since the last few months since Upward was officially uh, discussed. You know, is it's something? Yeah. It's one thing to have a spec for something that you need, uh, or or, or where to sort of broadcast a direction of what an ideal is, and it's another thing to actually have you know, something that conforms to the spec, like an actual implementation of the spec. And yeah. uh, that's the important part, right? It, it does us no good to have a spec for HTTP without someone to actually go out and build something that actually allows us to use the web. Um, yeah. or, or to build a web on top of an HTTP. Like, it's just a protocol. Uh, and, right. and, and I love the idea of... Um, uh, who was it? Who said something like, we, we built the platform... Uh, now it's, I, I think that might have been x.commerce fabric, which we're all trying to forget still. Uh, which <laughs> is, you know, we, we've, we've made the platform. It's, it's your turn to put it to work. And I, I think that that has like an undercurrent that, you know, a lot of us find sort of off putting. Oh, yeah. That Could being said, add value to this. 
Right, right. That being said, like we're going to use, and especially companies like mine at Something Digital, uh, we're going to use the reference implementation because we feel like it's the it's the one that has the safest bet uh, yeah. for being around for a long, at least long enough for customers to use it and be supported. So the implementation is as important as the spec. I, I know your challenges are broad, but you know our we rely on Magento to provide that, and I, yeah. I think that you've you know you've you've shown that you're you're listening and it's growing and it's you you know you're you're doing that so i thank you um well, and you've sure. been very open to yeah for sure sorry go ahead it's the job i you're absolutely right it's useless without production ready hardened implementations and we have two um they they could be improved and and are are continuously being improved and iterated on. I think that the the point that it seems like we're waiting for people to give us the value of our spec for free is a really good one. I, I, I don't I don't want that to be it, but if it turns out to feel that way, that's something we should correct. So <laughs> let me ask you something. Well let me ask you something because because this is something that like Anton, my boss, who uh, his instincts are usually pretty inerrant, um, has agreed that and suggested that, you know, Upward is a modular piece. If we're really serious about it being a modular web, what would this look like without Upward? Let's say you don't need it. I am willing to throw it out if it's not useful in the future. You know, it's not like I'm not, you know, married to it. So, what would it look like? Well, maybe we'd need a Docker container, and maybe we'd need to present an alternative. So, let me ask you this: If we were to produce a proof of concept of a an alternative something that is more maybe turnkey um less flexible in terms of its deployment more opinionated um not necessarily that we'd shift the platform to that again because that might not be our direction but if we were to produce that kind of hey here's a docker container um would that maybe go some way in helping you to feel like we are inviting you into upward rather than demanding that you make it you know your new, like that, that you commit your full thing to it. Right. I, I think that we, so, so again, putting it in my context from something digital, uh, mm-hmm. it, it would have to be something that is, you know, commerce cloud centric first, because that's sure. what we go to market with today. And I know that the people that listen to this show, that is not there. Like it's most of the people that listen to this show are not developing on commerce cloud. Okay. On the daily. So uh, I can't really speak on behalf of my audience, but I, I get the feeling like I'm the oddball <laughs> typically. Um, so what I need professionally is probably something different to what the community writ large needs. Um, and I want to be sensitive to both. So I think the, 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 the reference implementations that you have out there already is probably sufficient for you know, most of how, how it's going to be adopted. And I think there's nothing wrong. If, if you want to run... You know, if you want to to build your own, you know, I don't know. If you want to go build your your own upward implementation in Rust, you know, like I don't know what, go go for it, um, or to or for some sort of other de- deployment. Like if in in your language of choice, in your world, in your context, and uh, or not use it at all. I'm sure that ex- that that can exist too, right? You're going to forego some of the things that it brings, right? Like SSR. Um, well, or you'll just have your own SSR. I mean, people right, are, or you'll for, right. You'll have to maintain it or build something and maintain it. People are right to own. object that Upward is missing features they need. 
Um, right. And, you know, the point of it is to be a subset of features based on the best practices of PWA that's small enough that it's realistic to have a little YAML syntax for it instead of a full featured programming language. But right. that's a set of things that's that's opinionated. That's up for review. And I, I want there to be better SSR. The, the SSR that there is is deliberately really cross-platform and therefore basic. But the thing I'm describing where what if we made you a container, you know, would we could show you a different or more traditional to react SSR approach. But you know what you're saying, you are focused on commerce cloud is also what they told us when we, uh, when we didn't have upward and part of why upward was made was the commerce cloud isn't, you know, we're not going to be able to turn it into a node stack overnight. So let's make a thing that's, that's less opinionated. Um, and so, I mean, I just want to say, I guess, I have heard people frustrated, not just because they feel like they're missing stuff in Upward or that they feel like they're being asked to overcommit to it, um, but also that, you know, they are responsible or feel themselves responsible for educating some part of the Magento community and they need more help from us. That's a message I get loud and clear. So, Mm. you know, despite the inconvenience of, of having to lock Kalen in a box so that we can have this conversation in a civilized manner. Um, I need to do more stuff like this, and, and I need to iterate more on the things that I explain. So like one example of me coming a little bit late to the party but correcting something is that recently in a branch that's a little long-running but that's going to come out with a cool scaffolding generator, I realized, and I had some input from some really wise people on this, um, Rowan Mirwood at Google helped me out with this. I realized that part of what's confusing about the upward file is that you can't tell what's a name for something that's just an identifier, like a variable name, and what is like a keyword in the language. Like, oh my God, that's so simple. Why don't we just, I was like, oh, do we need to redesign the syntax? And like, no, just call the things that are labels Venia something so that it's clear mm. that it's just designed for the. So if you go into the upward file that's in that, create PWA CLI branch. Soon it'll be merged, so you'll just be able to go to the release one. But if you go to that branch, you'll see that I renamed the response object Venia response. Because response isn't a core idea in Upward, it's just like a name we gave to an object. Whereas the idea of like the word template is a core idea. But how would you know unless you have the spec with you constantly in another you know window? So just literally renaming some names some arbitrary names in a file is going a ways towards making it more readable for people. And that's the kind of like, I thought of everything smart and just made the most obvious error. That's the kind of thing that anyone will do and that I will do extra hard. So we're, we're iterating on those things as well to try to get it more explainable. <laughs> but definitely sounds like you have your hands full and, and it, it certainly sounds like you're making progress and you guys really are iterating quickly. Um, and I want to thank you uh, so much for all your time. I wish that we could go on forever. Uh, unfortunately, Kalen does need to be let out, and uh, he has to. You know, we have to let him out to do his business. Every yeah, time. exactly. Uh, I'm starting to worry. It's an here. important thing. But uh, if um, if if we could, I'd love to have you back because I I think you're just a phenomenal guest and um, obviously very brilliant, um, great communicator. Uh, despite us having re- you know run you over the coals uh, one time on the show, um, but I I love talking with you. Thank you for spending the time, James. Well, Phil, um, thank you so much. Fantastic. Um, and I hope that we're still friends. Uh, <laughs> we were uh, friends? After all of the... Yeah. 
<laughs> of course we, we, we were. Yeah, once, once, again, once upon a time, we used to be friends. Like we did. Once again, pretty sure. No worries, and you guys helped. And thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, and uh, if you want to lend your voice to this conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can always uh, hit us up on our discuss uh, comment thread that happens on every show episode over at magetalk.com and uh, reach out. You can always uh, get in touch with me, uh, Phil Winkle at Gmail or Phil Winkle on Twitter or anywhere on social media. And uh, we'll be able to relay some of that over to James. And I would love to hear what you guys think of Upward, what you think of PWA Studio. How are you using it in your business? What are some things uh, that are on your wish list? Uh, let, let me hear how it's working out and uh, what your plans are. Um, and uh, anyway, as always, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Uh, I promise we'll bring Kaylin back, but I can't promise that we won't talk about bananas or flat earth because that's you know, sort of a given. A um, little respite here on this uh, Mage Talk 199. Episode 200 is our next one, which is kind of a big deal. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see you around. Thanks for listening. And uh, thanks for joining us, James. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.